Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in today. This is the Jimmy's Table Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where we, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Today is episode 11, where I'm going to be talking about our casual culture. You know, growing up, I didn't realize how, I guess, casual our culture had started becoming until I started deciding to venture out into the world of dating and I wanted to take my dates occasionally to, to nice places. And so sometimes we'd go out to like a really nice restaurant or we'd go down to the Blumenthal Performing Arts Center to, in Charlotte to, to watch a really nice play and, and go see something really classical, big Broadway type uh, production. And it occurred to me that, you know, my date and I, we would go out and we were like, oh, we should have fun. We should dress up. We should feel adult-like uh, and and be large and in charge and have a fun time. Well, we would get dressed up and I would put on a suit and tie um, and my date would often put on a really nice dress. Sometimes they would even go buy a special dress just for the occasion because we were getting ready to go out and have fun and we were gonna be like adults. Uh, We were gonna go somewhere fancy. Uh, (laughs) uh, Fancy, Uh, did you get that Southern drawl? So we'd go out and be fancy uh, and go somewhere nice, you know, somewhere that we thought was impressive and something that, you know, maybe required a few extra bucks to go to, not just your, you know, average high school baseball, football game type uh, of place. So we'd get dressed up and we'd go to have a good time. And then we'd kind of look around and, you know, even though we were spending maybe a couple hundred dollars to go to a really nice play at a really nice theater, um, where they were putting on these big Broadway productions that we always kind of felt like maybe we were a little overdressed. In fact, we would look around and say, hey, we're, we got the suit and tie on, uh, got the nice dress, and, well, everybody else is uh, not so much. Apparently, we didn't get the memo. <laughs> uh, you know, you'd look around and you'd see at these really nice plays, people in jeans and flannel shirts and t-shirts and you know that sort of thing and it kind of left me a little on the irritated side uh because here i was wanting to i guess have some sort of sense of wow this is important this is this is is special this is neat uh you know and i should dress for the occasion because you know you do something important and neat uh and uh, fancy, <laughs> and you, uh, you know, get a little dressed up and gussied up for the occasion. Uh, you put on nines and, and uh, you go out for a night on the town. Well, that appeared to be changing apparently at some point uh, when I was in my late teens and early 20s. Um, and now I'm in my mid, almost late 30s, uh, going on 37 years old, and I would dare say uh, that the times have changed so much that if you you did dress up for a play, uh, now was, not, was, it, was it not only becoming rare back then, uh, but it's almost exceptionally rare and unheard of these days. I've noticed there's a sort of casualness about our culture, um, and it's impacting from everything from how we dress to our relationships to even our religious convictions and faith and how we practice. Uh, I'd like to kind of talk about these things today. 
Um, you know, if uh, I, I've, it really struck me how much our culture has changed in this casual uh, sort of this casualness of culture. When I look back at old baseball photos, if you were to ever look at old baseball photos from like the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, that you know, when photos were in black and white, <laughs> uh, you know, and I actually have a uh, photo if you go to the uh, jimmystable.com website. Uh, you'll see the show notes about today's podcast uh, where I included a photo from the 1940s um, from Atlanta at a baseball stadium. Uh, and I'm not sure if this is the correct pronunciation of the stadium. I'd never heard of it. Uh, one, because I'm not a huge baseball fan. Uh, and two, where I am a baseball fan, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Cubs fan. <laughs> Definitely not anything Atlanta-related uh, when it comes to uh, baseball, even though my nephews and uh, niece and uh, anyway, <laughs> even though I do have family family that is diehard Braves fans. Anyway, uh, but I have this cool photo from the 1940s at Atlanta's Ponce de Leon Park. And if you look closely at this old photo, you'll notice something. Even though it's in Atlanta and it's summertime, all the men in this photo look, for the most part, to be wearing a two- or three-piece style suit with a fancy hat on to go on top of it. Keep in mind, they're wearing a suit to a baseball game in Atlanta in the summer. Well, I don't know if you've ever been to Atlanta in the summer, <laughs> but it's not exactly a two- and three-piece wool suit type weather. Yet, here these men are, by the thousands, stuffed into this baseball stadium, shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, watching a baseball game for as long as baseball games take, you know, which is usually on the three-plus-hour side. Um, and here they are, in the sweltering heat, watching a baseball game in what mostly were probably wool suits in the summer <laughs> in Atlanta. I cannot stress to you enough how much that like just irks me much <laughs> uh, you know it, it, and I've talked to some people over the years like my dad for example um, who said gosh when I was a boy you know if you went to McDonald's <laughs> you got dressed up in a suit uh, if you went to and let alone if you went to a fancy restaurant uh, you definitely got dressed up for the occasion going out to eat was a, a rarity in those days, and it was a, usually a special occasion. And so as a result, people treated it like a special occasion. Um, but, you know, but it wasn't just like the special occasions they did this. They dressed in suits just to go and do everyday things. Um, and it was, you know, basically if you left the house, you, you put a two or three piece suit on. <laughs> Uh, and you wore a hat, and it didn't. And it didn't matter what the weather was. It didn't matter if it was hot or cold. Um, you were going to wear a suit, uh, pretty much no matter what you were going in town to do. Um, and you know, you don't really see that too much these days. You've seen a, a real casualness of our society. Um, to where, if you go to even fancy occasions, special occasions. Uh, you'd be lucky to find anybody wearing a suit. Uh, and in my opinion, these days, about the only people 
you generally see wearing suits these days are people that are trying to take your money, <laughs> like lawyers and business executives, salesmen, uh, people like that. Uh, so generally these days, if you see somebody wearing a suit, uh, it's a good indicator that you need to turn around and run away because <laughs> uh, they're going to bleed you for every dollar that suit that they're wearing uh, is worth. And you even see this uh, today, like or more recently rather, um, it has been reported that I believe uh, Goldman Sachs, the, the big bad investment bank in New York uh, that takes everybody's money, they've even recently relaxed their, their formal office attire policy and they no longer require um, such a uh, dressy suit uh, type atmosphere even at Goldman Sachs. Um, and today it's even rare to see uh, clergy wearing uh, a suit anymore. Like, uh, it's, it's become very the trend and very the vogue, kind of reflecting our cultural shift um, that you'll often see pastors wearing, you know, jeans and a polo in the pulpit. Um, and, you know, I'm not making any judgments on these things. I've just noticed the general... Uh, casual, increasingly casual nature of our society. And it even reminds me of uh, back in the day in one of my jobs in which I would used to uh, go to court on a pretty frequent basis. I was going to court at one point uh, pretty frequently for my job. And I'm not a lawyer, but, you know, I'm <laughs> still going to court. Um, and I noticed that when I would go to court, the people that would even show up to court um, to stand before a judge and to hash things out with a judge, they were just wearing very casual attire. Um, and, I, and I found that strange because the, the couple of times in my years that I've had to go to court for even a, a speeding ticket or a parking infraction ticket of some sort, uh, I always kind of, for the most part, at least put on khakis and a polo or khakis and a button-down shirt and a tie. Um, I might have even worn uh, a jacket. <laughs> uh, but if you were to go to court today and just look around at a court, and, and you know you have the ability to go do that. Our court system allows you just to go sit there and watch at the courts. Uh, do it sometime if you want, just to see how casually people show up to court uh, wearing very just everyday street-level clothes, jeans, t-shirts, shorts, uh, that sort of thing. And I can even recall this one humorous time at work. And remind you, I work for a big, if, or if you don't know, I work for one of the big bad banks in Charlotte, uh, where I've been a mortgage underwriter for a number of years. And we have a uh, casual professional sort of clothing requirement, uh, except on Fridays, uh, where we can wear casual. But we, we have to still somewhat dress somewhat like we're professionals. Uh, so I wear usually khakis and dress slacks and loafers and, and things like that uh, to work, and I wear khakis and, uh, uh, you know, polo or a button-down shirt. I don't have to wear a tie, but I still, you know, wear something that has a collar. Uh, and we get to do that every, you know, for four days out of the week, and then one day we have, you know, casual day where we can wear jeans and a uh, t-shirt or whatever. But even on those days, people still tend to at least put, you know, a polo on or something like that. Um, but I still recall this one day. I went on a Saturday. Uh, we're very busy at the bank. 
Um, and we had to do some Saturday work. So we came in to work like half a day on Saturday. Well, there's this one guy I worked for with, um, and I won't mention his name. It's, his name's not important, uh, but it rhymes with Eric. <laughs> um, so Eric, <laughs> let's just call him Eric. Uh, he showed up to work. He no longer works at my big bad bank anymore. He moved to Atlanta. Um, <laughs> so he showed up to work. Wearing, and I kid you not, he showed up to work to underwrite mortgages that day wearing swim trunks, a wife beater, and some flip-flops. So when you saw him walk past your cubicle or if you shared a cubicle with Eric, you could see Eric and his armpit hair and his toes and his kneecaps at a big bad bank. <laughs> Where, you know, we're all uh, smart, intelligent professionals who conduct themselves, you know, somewhat professionally, I would like to think. And Eric shows up wearing uh, beachwear, and he is right, because he's planning on going to the swimming pool that day. Uh, after he got off of work, he was planning on going swimming. Uh, so he thought he'd dress for, you know, not for work, but for what he planned on doing later that day. Eric showed up wearing... Something that just, you know, frankly, you know, even in our very casual society made most people in the office pretty uncomfortable. And uh, no shortage of people <laughs> complained about Eric to management. Uh, we do have some standards, after all, <laughs> uh, we said to ourselves, uh, even though we're down with a dressing casual sort of motif of working on a Saturday in the office doing extra work. Um, we just thought, hey, this guy crossed the line, uh, and, you know, once you see your co-worker's armpit hair at the bank, that's just something you cannot see. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, you know, I, I felt like that moment, that day, was a line-in-the-sand moment for me in my life, and a, you know, I felt like a moment in which our culture <laughs> had ultimately hit rock bottom when it came to casual wear. But you know, it's not only our manner of dressing that has become pretty casual. Um, I think our relationships in our culture have become more and more casual. Our sense of having this tight-knit community of close uh, interpersonal relationships really is not what it once was. It's really almost seemingly a thing of the past. Uh, long gone are the days, for the most part, of multi-generational households all living under one roof, where we're all, you know, from grandma to our parents to our immediate children, our grandchildren, and the next generation all kind of gathered together under one roof. Those things are kind of a thing of the past. You don't really see too much of that anymore, except perhaps in some immigrant uh, families who are perhaps from uh, a culture. I, I know I've seen, um, you know, maybe some Asian culture um, in, in this country where immigrants from Asian countries might tend to to hold on to that, or maybe even some in some Hispanic households. But by and large, uh, the multi 
family, multi-generational thing of everybody living under one roof is long gone, and we're pretty much down to just everybody in their nuclear family uh, living under one roof. And then as soon as we can, we get the kids out so that they can go on and start their own nuclear family. Um, and even then, it's kind of like, you know, maybe our, our relationship between parents and children even are a little less uh, what they once were. So our sense of having these tight-knit communities is gone. Um, Next-door neighbors have even become complete strangers. Like my next-door neighbor, he's a really nice guy. I've met him about five times in the two years I've lived in this uh, house that I just moved into. I've met him about five times. I've said, hey, how are you? Uh, he asked me something once about building a fence. He just wanted to, you know, coordinate, you know, he's going to build a fence. And he just wanted to make sure I was good with it. And he was telling me what he was going to do. Uh, and that, you know, he, you know, respected that I live next door to him. And, uh, well, you know, that's about all I've seen of him ever since. I might see him get out of his car occasionally. Um, but that's uh, pretty much it. Most of our neighbors... Complete strangers. Um, and in our churches, uh, most of our churches, I would say these days, tend to be more than a few decades old uh, at best. And we shop for churches and change churches as frequently as we do um, and shop around for a pair of new blue jeans. Um, you know, I recall my time that I spent, I, I, where this was really evident to me uh, when I spent a couple years at uh, Elevation Church here in Charlotte. Um, at that church, you seldom, let alone, you seldom ever even sat in the same seat uh, from week to week, uh, let alone sit around anyone you had a chance of even remotely knowing. Um, people moved in and out like cattle every Sunday. They wouldn't allow you in until they were ready to let you in. And then you were required to fill up each seat um, and the order that it was assigned to you, you couldn't just go pick a seat. You had to, to file in in a very orderly fashion. And then as soon as service was over, you filed out in a very orderly fashion, uh, one right after the, the other. Um, so people were kind of moved in and people were moved out. And it was all done like we were all cattle. Most of our relationships, even in our little small community groups that we would form, um, or e-groups as they were called, uh, you know, in my opinion, from my experience of having tried several groups over several years, that, you know, it was just very superficial, um, and, you know, there wasn't anything really tangible uh, from that. It's the, it's the only church that I went to where I can say I have no relationships that continued to exist once I left that church. Um, the relationships I had were very casual to begin with. Um, and their ability to endure after I left the church, well, there was just no room for that anymore in anybody's life. <laughs> Yet, I can think of a couple other churches I've gone to over the years, um, in which, you know, even after I stopped going to that church, some of those people came to my wedding, or I still maintain, uh, contact with some of those people, even though some of them have moved far away. I still have you know, contact, pick up the phone and talk to each other, sort of level contact um, with one another. So, you know, <laughs> but uh, I, I see that increasingly as a trend in our society that even our churches, relation, our relationships in our churches are suffering. Um, and 
they borderline extremely superficial, um, and it's rare to see a church more than a few decades old, let alone long old enough to have um, families that are buried out back uh, in the cemetery. <laughs> um, so you know that's that's a that's really a thing in the past, and it's I find it interesting because like my sister, she goes to a church up in the Lake Norman area, and they have people who have been buried there long before she was ever even alive. Um, and, um, you know, they have family uh, there to this day. Um, and, you know, and it occurred to me when I went to uh, a Moravian church in uh, Old Salem, North Carolina, Winston-Salem, that, uh, you know, I went outside this church and, you know, they were still burying people there where they've been burying people for, you know, since the mid-1700s. Um, you know, you could go and still, if you were a member of that church, be buried in their cemetery. Um, and I think that's, you know, I'm not saying churches have to have cemeteries or anything like it. You know, that's, um, there's theological reasons, actually, interestingly enough, if you ever look into it, why churches had cemeteries in years past, um, and maybe why they don't today. Um, but you know, it is, it is, it is an interesting observation to see, um, how even, most of our churches these days tend not to have uh, a cemetery. And why would they? They probably won't be around another 10, 20, or 30 years. So why in God's name would you have a cemetery out back? Uh, when you know, the church you're going to probably isn't going to exist much longer than the current pastor's tenure, or eh, probably shortly thereafter. Um, and, you know, you also see this casualness in our society, I think, uh, when it comes to some of the dating apps that are out there. Uh, these days. I've never used it. <laughs> uh, but there are apps out there like Tinder um, that are very popular. And apps like Tinder have promoted a very casual dating sort of uh, atmosphere. And actually, you know, has been kind of known as a promoter of the quote-unquote hookup culture. Um, where, you know, you could just have a different lover. <laughs> or it, you wouldn't even call that just a sexual partner. Um you know, every Friday if you wanted to. It's just a matter of who you're going to swipe on this week and meet up with randomly as a stranger to go out with and then come back and have a good time. <laughs> you know, so even our lovers aren't lovers anymore. They are individuals who we randomly meet online in our society. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I practice that or, um, you know, promote that in any way. I'm just making a cultural observation of what is happening in our society. Uh, used to be, if you were going to take a lover, well, you took one for a while, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, and again, I'm not endorsing that. I'm just saying that's, you know, what's happened in our society. Um, if you had an affair on your spouse, you cheated with somebody for a long time <laughs> uh, before you, you know, just swipe left and chose somebody else. Um, so, yeah, so maybe I'll edit that part out. Maybe I'll leave it in. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Um, but, you know, it, it, I just use it as an observation, folks. Don't get mad at it. I'm not promoting it. I don't believe in it. I don't practice it. Uh, and I don't encourage it. And I don't condone it. But uh, reality is reality. You see a increasing casual nature of even that sort of arena. So what about our faith, then? Um, you know, I think faith has even become a pretty casual affair in our culture. Um, I was looking at some, as I was putting together the notes, uh, and you can reference this in the 
the show notes, uh, or you can check it out at jimmystable.com. Um, but, you know, a large number of people in our society are increasingly considering themselves spiritual, but not religious. Uh, according to Pew Research, only 7% over the age of 65 would consider themselves as the spiritual, but not religious, designation. But among those who are 30 to 49, it says 38% of the population considers themselves in this category. And that spiritual but not religious sort of thing is uh, not really defined as far as like a practicing, you know, faith of, a recognized faith of any sort, you know, that has any sort of creedal, historical, multi-generational sort of belief, practice, or system. Uh, it's a faith devoid of any of the traditional creeds, rituals, or practices you might think among uh, that you typically see in like religions like Christianity or Judaism or Islam or Buddhism or you know any of the other major faiths. Um, you know this isn't any particular denominational sort of breakdown here, um, but it's just you know religion in general or faith in general um, in our culture. But, you know, a lot of people consider themselves kind of like they like the idea that there's a God, but you know they're not really willing to commit to any sort of definitive uh, beliefs outside of maybe some general esoteric sort of notions that they may have about such things. Nothing much in the way of concrete or uh, things that can be clearly defined um, by either, you know, maybe them or uh, society at large. So I, I, I see that as a major trend, and that's why I think you see a, uh, a big change from the over 65 crowd to the 30 to 49 crowd in, in that regard. So um, there's also another Pew uh, research um, study that I looked at in this. You know, people at Pew are so helpful. I really like them. They really, they really provide good data. Uh, I think, you know, they really have some interesting stuff to look at. Uh, I highly recommend you check them out sometime. Pewform.org um, if you have the time. Or you could just Google it. Just Google something religious plus Pewform uh, research studies you'll find a treasure trove of data. Um, but, you know, so I was looking at this one where they also talked about, um, you know, to what degree do you consider, for those of you who are religious, what degree do you consider your religion of importance in your life? And of those they asked, Pew Research determined only 53% of religious adherents consider their faith extremely important to them. Only 53%. Everyone else, well, they, they broke it down by levels of belief, like somewhat important, moderately important, not important really at all, um, sort of categorization. So, you know, check out the link. It's in the show notes, jimmystable.com as well. Um, but, you know, Pew Research only reported that 53% of religious adherents consider themselves, that their faith is extremely important to them and their life. Um, which kind of leads me to believe that, uh, you know, people kind of see their faith and their religion as only ever so important. Uh, the degree we feel need 
uh, in order to essentially, I guess, uh, get by with God or, you know, whatever they consider God. You know, because this asks various people like Buddhist and Taoist, and, you know, things like that, a variety of religious backgrounds. <laughs> um, so it's not necessarily a monotheistic uh, concern. Um, although, interestingly enough, uh, evangelicals and Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses um, were substantially more likely uh, to consider their faith extremely important to them, uh, somewhere in the 70 to 80 percent range for those groups. Uh, but so anyway, that's just an interesting observation. So I don't really have a particular point with that, um, but I thought it was worth noting. Um, so where, what do we conclude with this? What do I conclude with this? I don't know. But I think that, you know, we see this gradual, a gradual, uh, casual nature of how we approach life uh, in our society. And I think, you know, there could be a lot of complex reasons behind why we're so much more casual. Um, you know, it could do everything from, be everything from, you know, emotional complexities, traditions, uh, matters of wealth, like, you know, if I had to wear a three-piece suit every day to a baseball game, <laughs> I might have more than one. And suits don't come cheap, um, even if you go to somewhere like JCPenney's or Sears or Target or something. Um, you know, it's still gonna, you're still going to spend $100, $200 on you know, a suit. Um, so, you know, you, you might have reasons like that coming into play. Um, but, you know, I cannot help but think that the growing casualness that we're seeing in our society, you know, is probably perhaps related to, and this is just my gut going, and I, I could be totally wrong, and if I'm wrong, email me at jimmy at jimmystable.com and let me know I'm wrong, or reach out to me on Facebook and Twitter, or grab me for a cup of coffee and say, Jimmy, I think you're wrong. <laughs> uh, I don't mind uh, the being told I'm wrong and being somebody being frank about it. But, you know, I just can't help but think and my gut tells me that, you know, perhaps our highly individualistic, uh, or I'm sorry, our highly casual nature of our approach to life and the things of this life, you know, they're probably rooted in our sense of being highly individualistic individuals. Um, we put ourselves on the pedestal above all others, you know. Um, I dress casually because it's important for me to feel comfortable and I don't want to have to spend the extra money on nicer clothes and I don't even want to be bothered. You know, or even, I mean, it's even to the extreme that like guys like Mark Zuckerberg and stuff, you know, these days, all they wear to work is uh, gray pants and, you know, a hoodie uh, every single day. Um, you know, so they dress casually because they don't really care what other people think. Um, and I think that's really ultimately why we dress so casually. One, we want to be as comfortable as possible, and it's about me being as comfortable as possible at all times. Um, and that's the most important thing, of course. Um, but, you know, frankly, we, we frankly don't care how others perceive us. Uh, and, you know, take a trip to Walmart, people. <laughs> I say that as a joke, of course. Um, but, you know, they have made websites about, you know, how casually people dress at Walmart. Um, but, you know... I, I just feel it. There's this growing sense of, I just don't want to be bothered, and I don't give a flip what you think about me and how, what I'm wearing. I'm going to be, I'm going to be comfortable, bless God. Um, and so, you know, because we are the most important thing going, um, you know, that's all that matters to us. Um, 
our relationships were casual relationships because frankly we don't have time to invest for others um, our lives are just too busy we just have too much going on we don't have time to talk to somebody we don't have time to interact with anybody and have meaningful dialogue we don't have time to, to get something to eat uh, with a friend or any such thing um, and we definitely don't want to be invested and tied down into some church when you know there's going to be a hot new church just down the street that's going to have a ministry catered to my youth uh, and it's going to have the the greatest uh, music and it's going to make me feel good about me um, and you know that's that's the most important thing right <laughs> um, and uh, you know so we're casual in our faith because you know it ultimately makes demands on us um, and I think we all recognize that if we were to look at our major faiths seriously you know no matter what your faith is Buddhist uh, Christian Jew Islam whatever um, and, you know, I'm very much a devout practicing Christian. I consider faith very important to me in my life. Um, but I think we're casual in our faith because, you know, we realize at the end of the day, those, uh, those old books that we read, you know, that they kind of make demands on our lives that kind of interfere with what we want to do. <laughs> um, and we read them and study them, perhaps, uh, and we look to apply them in our lives. Uh, but ultimately... You know, so long as we get this sense that we are, you know, probably okay with God, that we're not going to spend eternity in hell or reincarnated into some uh, lower life form after we die. Um, you know, so long as those things are taken care of and, you know, our lives are moderately comfortable, um, you know, as long as we're not suffering too badly, you know, if we're a pretty good place. Uh, emotionally and financially and all those sort of things, well, you know, there's this tendency I think we all have to kind of become a little slack in our faith. Um, and I've definitely personally seen that, you know, uh, I think in my own life sometimes. I think sometimes uh, the busyness and the comings and goings of life, um, you know, so long as there's nothing too rocky going on and something threatening my livelihood or threatening my health or, you know, threatening my personal relationships for those who are in my immediate sphere of influence, uh, there's this tendency to think, well, okay, you know, I'm good with God, I'm not going to hell, and, uh, you know, I have a job, I have a roof over my head, I have money in the bank, and uh, everyone around me is happy and healthy, uh, well, what do I need God for then, you know, right? Um, and that's kind of uh, what happens, I think, in our society, so no matter what, our faith may say on the other areas of our life, we're like, well, you know, I'm good, so, uh, you know, who cares about everything else, right? Uh, and I think, you know, there's that temptation there that's very real for, for all people, um, and it's really a uh, sense of complacency we come uh, to have and treating our faith uh, a little more casual than, you know, we should. So, um... And, you know, I think above all, above all, perhaps, um, above the sense of even selfishness, you know, when it comes to how we dress, you know, our relationships with people or relationships with uh, important institutions um, or even our relationship with God and our faith, we've kind of turned everything we have because of our selfishness um, into mere commodities. We put them on and take them off as uh, as casually as we want to. 
as often as it pleases us at the end of the day. Because um, that's really what it's about at the end of the day. We, we want to be pleased and, um, you know, clothes and people and God, you know, they're all just means to an end. Um, and we use them and then dispose of them uh, as often as we want to so that we can uh, have the level of comfort uh, and live the type of life that we ultimately want to live. So I think that's uh, going to be today's show, folks. Uh, hope I've given you something to think about for uh, in today's podcast. It's jimmystable.com. Again, I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I look to have conversations about faith, life, culture, sometimes food. Today was episode 11. And be sure to check out, because I've been slowly but surely doing it, uh, about the food part of uh, jimmystable.com. I've been posting recipes on jimmystable.com slash food. I have a couple going up uh, that are up there right now. You can check it out. You can learn how to make a burger. Uh, you can learn how to make the world's best steak. Uh, you can make this awesome Hawaiian chicken sandwich. And you can and it's hey, it's hot and it's summer outside. I have the best lemonade recipe that you'll ever want to drink in your entire life. Uh, it is awesome. Uh, been in my family for many decades now, uh, and start all started with a lemonade stand when I was a kid. Uh, so be sure to check out Jimmy'sTable.com/food, um, where you can find links. Uh, to in pictures, lots of pictures uh, to <laughs> uh, the food stuff that I've been making. Uh, and if you want to, you can, uh, for where necessary, to buy ingredients or tools to make things. You know, I've provided some links uh, to Amazon.com where you can find those things. And hey, if you buy those things after uh, checking it out on my website, you know, I'll get a small little uh, two or three percent or whatever it is from Amazon uh, that they get for. Uh, referrals. So anyway, hope you've enjoyed today's show. Hope I've given you something to think about. Love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe if you're listening to this on Apple iTunes, uh, you know, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever this may be broadcast. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to review. Be sure to leave comments. I'm available. To, you can reach out to me at jimmy at jimmystable.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, again, there's links to all those things on my website at jimmystable.com. Take care, everybody, and God bless, and uh, look forward to uh, broadcasting another episode very soon.